Good morning, Life in the Sun. Good morning, church. And good morning and welcome to all those that are joining us online. Uh, I'm sure we got people from all over. We even, I'm told we have some special folks joining us uh, from the Philippines and welcome to those as well. Even the states, I'm sure everybody's already saying good morning online and, and uh, we, because our church is a lot bigger than what we see here this morning. That one thing that we've learned through this uh, pandemic is that the church can still grow. Amen? Amen. So this morning, I just want to ask one simple question as we get started. Uh, 2020 is already in full swing, is it not? Yes, 2021 is already in full swing this morning. So I just have a quick question. How was your 2020? But I want to suggest something to you this morning, because isn't it true that hindsight is often 2020? Right? And here we are coming out of 2020 and entering into 2021. And so I have another question. Has anybody ever had the desire to go back in time and change something? Right? We all have that. We, whether we can go back and make a, a, a decision that we didn't make or to go back and undo a decision that we made. Amen? We, we want that ability to go back and control something. But what does that reveal about our heart? You know, I remember there was a, a movie way back in the 80s, I believe. If it's, you know, I'm dating myself here, but that's all right. It was called, uh, 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 now I lost it. But anyway, it was, a, it was a movie about this aircraft carrier, right? Final Countdown, that's what it was. Remember it? Okay. For all, yeah, us old folks, you know, we were like, yeah, I remember that movie. So it was like this aircraft carrier, right? And they're like doing stuff out, in the, uh, uh, out by Hawaii, right? And all of a sudden there's like this, whoosh, whoosh, and they go back in time. And they pop out. Wouldn't you know it, right before the invasion of Pearl Harbor. So they've got this aircraft carrier, right? It's got all this modern uh, you know, equipment on there, these aircraft and fighter jets and bombers and all this stuff. And of course, once they figure out where they're at, they start to get excited. They're like, we can prevent World War II from happening. But wouldn't you know it, the movie, no matter what they tried to do, they couldn't alter anything. They were not able to change what they thought they could change, even by going back in time. You see, we don't have a trust sometimes. We lack trust. We want to change our past. But we don't need to change our past. We just need to see that God is now. He's in our present He's here with us. You know, wouldn't you know it, it, it's like yesterday is always gone. Tomorrow never comes, but it's always today. You see, that's a divine trait that God has put in us to recognize the eternal. So that leads us to our message today. And it's going to come out of Genesis chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 13. And we're going to be talking about Sarah 
and Abraham, or Sarai and Abram. This is actually before the name change. And we all kind of know the story, the, the background of this manipulation. This, they wanted things to change. They, they weren't happy with their current circumstances. So let's go ahead and pray. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have gone before us, Lord God. That there are things, Lord, that we feel and may even see that are out of our control. But, Father, we never have to lose control in our hearts. We can know and trust, Lord, that you've made a way, that you've made a way in the wilderness, that you've provided for us, Lord God, that your compassions are for us, and that you have a plan to deliver us, Father God, even in our current circumstances, even from the things in our past. So, Father, we just want your word to go out with strength and power, Lord. Let these words be yours and not mine. And, Father, we just want to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, got a lot of scripture to cover, so let's go ahead and dive right into this. All right. So, starting in verse 1 of chapter 16, Genesis. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not borne him a child, but she had an Egyptian slave whose name was Hagar. So, Sarah said to Abraham, See, now the Lord has prevented me. Hang on to that from bearing children. Please have relations with my slave woman. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And so after Abram lived in 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian, her slave woman, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. Then he had relations with Hagar and she conceived and when Hagar became aware that she had conceived, her mistress, that is Sarai, was insignificant in her sight. Another translation is she became despised in her sight. So Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to you be put on, I'm sorry, may the wrong done to me be put on you. Interesting, huh? I put my slave woman into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was insignificant or despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, look, your slave woman, she's in your power. You know, do, do, do whatever is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly. She looked down on her and she fled. This caused her to fled, flee from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarah's slave woman, from where have you come and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. So the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Now, the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that there will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are pregnant, and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. That's, the, the, that's what Ishmael means, is the Lord hears. But he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, aren't we all? And everyone's hand will be against him. 
and he will live in defiance of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees me. For she said, I have seen him here and lived after he saw me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahai Roi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. Amen. So we pick up the story right when Hagar is fleeing out into the wilderness. And there's something interesting here. If we caught it in the reading, it said that Sarah thought that God was preventing her from having a son. And this is in light of the, of the fact that God had given them a promise, right? God promised, I'm going to give you a son. Husband and wife takes two, right? So they know that there's this promise, but they were waiting. And the problem was is that Sarah was having a hard time believing in God's promise. And even Sarah said, I will. She made it about her. She was looking for significance. Abraham listened and submitted to the voice of his wife instead of God's. And it even seemed reasonable to him. And in fact, then once Hagar conceived, she looked down on Sarai. More than likely, she felt proud. She probably felt like, hey, I'm the one who received the promised son. I'm the one that God is choosing, not you. And in this, Sarah got offended. And in this, that offense caused her to, to flee from the presence of Sarah. And now we're picking up again this story when Sarah, or Hagar is sitting at the well. The well in which God was able to speak to her. If you notice, sometimes we have to enter into a struggle before we're even going to be able to listen to God. I'm thinking about Hagar at the point of the, the, the moment that she was about to leave she had to consider something. And I just want to bring something up. Uh, I brought this up at the end of the last service in my prayer, but I, I, I feel that for today's message uh, to you guys and to the, those online, I think this is important. You have to remember that when Hagar fled, she fled what is now modern Canaan or what we know as Israel. Uh, it's about almost 300 miles away from Egypt. And the well that she was found at was about 80 miles south of Israel. So here she is walking on foot. An average hiker can cover 10 to 12, maybe 15 if you're in shape, uh, miles a day. Uh, but this is in the middle of the desert. So at that pace, she would have been out there for about two weeks. And she finally made it to this well. She was thirsty. She was tired. She was worn out. And she was pregnant. And here's God in the middle of this suffering. He's meeting with Hagar. And this is where we learn about the God who sees. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom we have to give account. God saw Hagar's affliction. And he had compassion on her. 
and he instructed her to return and submit to Sarai. This is our first understanding in this story about what repentance looks like. It's a physical turning tied to a heart understanding. But why send Sarah, or Hagar back to these harsh conditions? You see, notice God asked her to submit. You see, when we submit, the harsh conditions go away. When Hagar goes back and submits to Sarai, she's no longer going to treat her harshly. She's going to treat her well. Oftentimes, that's how it is in our life. We, we look at our struggling circumstances and we're rejecting them. We're, we're resisting them. But often it's our own pride. It's our own selfishness. It's our own uh, focus being on ourselves that is causing us to suffer. And we're simply pushing against the will of God. Again, God saw and heard Hagar's affliction. In fact, God's compassions are seeds that lead us to repentance. Hebrew, or I'm sorry, the book of Romans also, it, that's what's covered in the book of Romans where it says that it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. God's compassions are seeds that lead us to repentance to get us back in his will. Think of it as a bus. It's the magic bus, right? It pulls up to your, to your bus stop and the door opens and God sticks his head out and he says, please join. Please come aboard the bus. We're going somewhere. We have a destination. There is somewhere that God is taking us and we're simply in the middle of the story. But we have to respond. We have to pick up our feet and get on the bus. And it doesn't matter what the people around us are thinking. It doesn't matter whether or not we feel it's the right thing to do or not. What we have to do is understand, no, this is God calling me. And it will, trust me, it will cause you to go against everything that's in your nature. But when we see the compassion of God, we're drawn. We're drawn in. So let's go ahead and look at what this story reveals. It reveals two things. We've already begun one. It's the compassion of God. The other one, tied to compassion, and in fact, compassion leads to this, is God's providence. He always provides for his people. So let's take a look at compassion. The definition of compassion is sympathetic awareness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. God sees each and every one of our circumstances. He knows right where we're at. He knows what we need. His desire is to alleviate it. But again, we got to think about the bus. In order for that pain, that suffering, whatever we're going through to be alleviated, we got to get on the bus. So keep that in mind. Matthew 9, 36, this is where Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I also want to say that even if we sin by our own hand and cause our own suffering, God has compassion on us. God wants to draw us in. He's not chasing us in. He's not holding something over our head. He's simply opening the bus door and saying, this this is your salvation. This is your moment. This is the moment of visitation. This is where I'm calling you personally. Join me. 
Compassion for the marginalized and the forgotten. Many times the experiences that we go through, we feel left out. We feel oppressed. We feel abandoned. But trust and know that God has done none of those things to any of us. Though our circumstances may scream otherwise, God's compassions are true. They're for each and every one of us. God's provision is for each and every one of us. Compassion for the marginalized and the forgotten. You see, Hagar was not rejected or despised by God. Even though God sees everything, he's still abundantly compassionate. Again, compassion brings mercy and grace even when we deserve God's wrath and judgment. Compassion brings redemption in the midst of suffering, even suffering by our own actions. Remember, God's compassions are seeds that lead us to, the, to repentance. Hagar had to respond and obey to what God was asking her to do to receive what he had for her. This introduces us to humility, submission, and repentance. You know, I remember when Cindy and I first got married, uh, you know, it's the whole blended family thing is a challenge, is it not? We go through things and, you know, that, especially when I saw her, you know, her beautiful face on that profile on Match.com, right? I'm like, man, I got to have this girl. And God, you're blessing this. You're, you're in this. I know it. But I had no idea all the baggage she was carrying with her. She had no idea all the luggage and baggage I was carrying, right? And then here we are trying to blend two families and saying, mm -hmm, everybody's got to love each other like we love each other. And they're looking at each other like, I have no idea who you are. Right? And then we, what do we do? We, we try to make it happen because we want peace in the home. Right? So we lay down the law. We say, this is how it's going to be in my home. And oftentimes, what do they do? They're not feeling it, right? They rebel. They're, they're, they've got their own issues. But here we're being introduced to something different. You see, Sarah and Abram had the same mentality. They wanted to make it happen. They wanted to get this promise over with and on to the next thing. That's what we wanted to do with our family. But here's God introducing something different. It's called compassion. It's seeing others' distress with a desire to alleviate it. You, you see, sometimes we see the distress of our family members when we're trying to blend them, and we look at it as something that is irritant to us. But it's not about us. God is showing compassion is what turns people around. When we see the love, when we see that, that example that we give because we surrender to God in front of them, then they're going to want it too. Because trust me, God's timing is better than ours. Much, much better. Joel 2.13 says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love and relents from sending calamity. 
Also, Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be moved, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Our, our family needs to know we love them unequivocally, unconditionally. You see, when we began to love unconditionally, that's when we began to see things change in the hearts of our family. We're not there yet, and that's okay. Because remember, we're on the bus. We know where God is taking us. He's taking us somewhere. Because again, God's compassions are seeds that lead us back to his will. So this brings up the providence of God. Providence is divine guidance or care. It is God sustaining and guiding human destiny. Not does he just guide all of human destiny, he's guiding yours. Your specific destiny. You're not left out. You're not forgotten. You're not left behind. Even in your current situation, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, you're not left behind. He has not forgotten. He has not left you out. Genesis 22:14. this is where we, we learn about Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah will see to it is specifically what it means. The Lord will provide. That's how we know it. You see, God provided a future for Hagar and Ishmael in spite of what happened to her. God also provided a ram for Abraham in place of Isaac. And more importantly, God provided us Jesus. He provided the Holy Spirit for strength. He provided even faith. He said that he had given to man a seed of faith to be flamed, to be fanned, right? We have to pour into each other to fan that flame, and God does it through us. And he also provided repentance. This, to me, is the most powerful thing I think that we can... <laughs> we have to be able to see God for who he is. You see, God saw Hagar, but now Hagar had to see God. We have to have a full vision of who God is in our life. He, we have to understand how big he is. We have to know exactly what he's done. We can't guess at it. We can't uh, you know, think we know what God is all about. We have to know. And I'm here to tell you this morning that even repentance has been given to us as a gift. That's pretty powerful. We have a story uh, in the New Testament where, where Jesus uh, was healing a man and the guy said, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe. Come on. Right? So even in, our, in that struggle that we have, Lord, do I really believe? Do I really believe? The fact that you're even saying that, the fact that you're even asking that question, the fact that that thought is even in your mind is the grace and the power of God. It's the gift of repentance, alive and well in your heart. It's him springing up a well of life within you to ask the right questions, to think the right thoughts, and to place your mind and your heart to move in the right direction, to repent of your unbelief and move towards a place where you see God and you get on the bus and you get on with the rest of us crazy people in the back with Elmore leading worship. 
right? And we're, we're back there partying and having a good time, and you enter the bus, and you, man, these people are weird. I've been there. I've done that, right? And then you walk out the door, and they're still weird. But you leave with a seed. You leave, you leave with something in your heart that's different. You, you got to follow it. You got to come back to that weird people, those, that weird bus, and it's going in this weird direction. The world is going to tell you you're a fool, but you're the wisest person in the world. 2 Peter 1.3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who has, who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Romans 8.28, we've got this one that says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. But again, where's that bus going? It's right there in the verse. It says that he predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. Don't worry about where you're at. Don't worry about your circumstances. Don't worry about your, even your current behavior. God is able to conform you. All you got to do is surrender. All you have to do is trust in him. Don't try to manipulate anything. Just place your trust and your hope in God. Acts 17, 24 to 27 says, The God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands. What was Sarah trying to do? Serve God by her own hand. He can't, she can't do that. She's just got to follow what he said. As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind live, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Why? Why are we on the bus? So that we seek God. So that we seek God. Because God is the one who is going to fulfill the deepest desires of our heart, the longing of our heart. We may not even understand the things that are, we are longing for, but God does. You see, Abraham only had a promise from God. And a lot of times we're the only ones who put the only there. We only have a promise from God. I mean, think about that when we say that. All I have is a promise. That's all we need. Because through that promise, God delivers himself to you. He makes himself available to you to answer your questions, to answer your struggles, to answer your pain. He is there for you. You see, Abraham and Sarah, they saw the unfinished work and the promise unfulfilled. And sometimes we look in the mirror and we see that same process. It ain't over yet. God is still working. Sarah and Abraham saw incompletion, but God saw completion. God is able to complete what he began. He has the plan, the overall plan, and the plan of how we fit into it. Our plans do not complete God's plans. So what does this all mean to me? How, 
And this is where we're going to close today. What does this whole story mean? How does, how, do, how does this apply to me? Well, I just have a few questions I want us to consider. First one is, do we really know and trust in Jesus? Do we really know and trust in him? Have I made God, have I made God's will the focus of my life? rather than a focus on me and my world. That's what happened with Sarah and Abraham. Their focus was on them. Their focus was on, man, I got this problem. We've got to make it happen. And sometimes that's where we're at. Do I have faith? Have I made God's will the focus of my life rather than a focus on me and my world and how God can make me the center do I have faith to wait on God to fulfill his promises in my life and in the lives of others? We have to have faith that God is able to change the lives of those around us that God has called us to minister to. Those in our life group, those in our family, those that are our friends and relatives that, you know, the, the crazy uncle that, you know, doesn't want anything to do with God. That's okay. He's called us to be faithful in the middle of the storm. He's called us to be faithful to him and show the love of God even in the midst of unbelief, unfairness, oppression. All these things are going to happen, but the response that God is looking for is faith from us. Faith from us. Do I see God's work finished and promises fulfilled? In uh, Colossians 2.10 says, and in him you have been made complete. This is a backup to that, that verse right there. God has completed us. He calls us to completion, but yet we're already completed. Why? Because we're in the middle of the journey. Each one of us represented here today are in the middle of the journey. And all we have to do is stay on the bus and we'll make it. So God does not despise anyone that confesses their sins and seeks his mercy. God's compassions, again, are seeds that lead us to repentance. The only danger is to take his compassion and providence for granted and never repent. Even when we are in sin, God sees our affliction, desires to alleviate it, and provides a way out. All we need to do is respond, trust, and obey through humility, submission, and repentance. So we'll close with this verse, Romans 8, 18 and 19. For I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. God is going to do the work in us. He will do it. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. A plan that goes farther beyond anything that any one of us here could ever comprehend. Many of us are just beginning the journey. Some of us are in the middle. Some of us are well-established in who you are. 
But the one thing that we will never quite understand in this life is how awesome you are. You provide more than we could ever imagine. You have given us Jesus. You have given us the Holy Spirit. You have given us faith. You have given us repentance. Lord, there is nothing else that we need. So Lord, help us this morning to surrender fully to you. I pray this morning that our eyes will be opened. Lord, your word says that we may have eyes that see and ears that hear. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that eyes are opened and ears are opened to hear your truth, your revelation to each and every heart that knows that you are for them and not against them. The only thing that you're against is when we turn away from you in unbelief because you can't help us. So Lord, I pray for each heart, Lord, that is within your shout of my voice to know how much you love them, Lord God. How much you desire to be with them. How much you desire to be known by them, Lord God. So even though we're far away, even though our distance may feel great, even though the circumstances may seem insurmountable, Lord God, Lord, you come through with a shining, bright light of your mercy and your grace and your correction, Lord God. And you cause us to turn away from the darkness, Lord God, to be able to walk into your marvelous light where we find fellowship with one another, redemption from our sin, and life everlasting. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, be blessed. We love you guys. Have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high. Right, my brother. The wings of oh. your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. Elevated